Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Psalms 119 verse 36, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Um, that's going to be a little bit of our uh, uh, scripture that's going to try to stay in the vein of today's focus. I'm continuing the series, Hands That Serve. And um, <clears throat> I want to go ahead and open up a prayer and pray that God blesses us and strengthens us and helps us today. Um, uh, I know I know, I need his help. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Let's just go ahead and bow our heads together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you again for this time, this opportunity we have. And I pray bless us and strengthen us and keep us. I pray let your word, God, do what it does and minister to us and help us and grow us, Lord. Teach these hands to serve and, Lord, address our hearts today. Help me, God, teach your word today. In your name I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I Again, and I am continuing this series, Hands That Serve, Part 1. I focused on last lesson, and um, was last Wednesday, um, and I focused on Hands That Serve Sin. And today I'm going to be focusing on Hands That Serve Self. But I want to kind of quickly recap Romans 6 and 6 gives us a, an awareness of the body of sin. Uh, and this body of sin must be destroyed. We're, our goal is to destroy that old man that uh, is crucified with him. But that body of sin, it serves sin. And so it just happens to be that if I'm in sin, if I'm under sin, if I'm still an old man of sin, my service is going to serve sin. And so we need to control that. We need to be crucified with him and, uh, and live in him and change who we are. The, being baptized in Jesus' name is the process of that. It is, it is the first step that we must do to be buried in his name. I take on a new identity. I bury an old man. I, I come out in the newness and in the likeness of him. But guess what? I don't get to be baptized every single day, right? I don't do that physical thing of getting into a baptismal tank uh, Monday through, you know, Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I don't do that every single day. I've just done it once once in my life. And that's all I have to do it is once in my life. But I have to die out every single day. I have to find a place to bury myself because Ecclesiastes says this in 9 and 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. We cover that, that where we're going, your hand can't work. All right? 
And this, this particular verse gives an awareness to us that uh, we've got to work while it's still day. We've got things to do, people to serve. My hands have to be busy. That word hand in that text, in the original Hebrew text, is also used multiple places as consecrate or consecration. And so I want to understand that in this lesson, this series, that our hands is an act of consecration. What we serve is what we're consecrating. And it's, it, I made this point last lesson, a really um, important part of this entire series is that it's the heart that dictates where the hands serve. And serving is a matter of the heart. It's a heart issue. And so they're, they're interlinked. And what my heart desires, my hands are going to follow after. I brought up the point about the apostles in Acts 4 and 29. Peter's saying here, and now behold, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants. This is what he's praying. This is an apostolic consecrated prayer. And he's asking with all boldness, they may speak thy word and that by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. This is what he's wanting for those apostolics. I'll be real clear. I, I want to be apostolic, not just in just a moment in an upper room. I want to be apostolic by boldness, by witnessing the stretching forth of God's hand and healing. I want to see signs and wonders. I don't want to just be a pew person. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines. I don't want to just come to church and just that's the extent of my relationship in him. I want to see things done in the supernatural, right? I want God to have these hands. I want God to do these things. In that same place, I continue to read. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. I, I, I'm, I'm loving these verses. I love this text because I strive really hard to pastor a church that is an Acts church. Right? Do we want to go to that type of church? Right? Do we want to be a part of that church? That's a biblical church. That we see it. That we witness it. That we understand it. That we see that, you know what? It's not just saying, I got faith. Well, faith is an action. Right? Some people say, well, you were not saved by, by, you know, doing actions. Well, actions is a vital thing. There's a whole book in the Bible called Acts. <laughs> it's important. And so we need to understand that, that this, that template, it's not just a, the book of Acts, I've said this before, is not a history book. It's a template for the modern day church. And we need to be that modern day church that says, you know what, I, I, I want to have that type of apostolic handling live in me. And so I, wanna, I want us to be a, a cognizant of, of an important fact. Uh, Jesus brings this up in Matthew 6 and 24. He says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It's, we must be aware that our hands can only serve one master at a time. Right. 
I, you know, if you look at that text, we keep that text up there when it says, or else he will hold to the one. Well, that, that statement there means supporting the one. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been around people and you saw maybe a bookshelf start to give away or some, some item and then you run over and you're holding it and, and, and everyone's walking casually by you and you have this moment like, I need somebody to help me, right? I need, uh, and people are just, just walking casually casually. You're giving them the look. You're straining under the pressure of holding this weight up and you're doing everything you can. And people are like, hey, how's the day? They're patting you on their shoulder and you're like, no, I need your help, right? And then all of a sudden what happens to you personally? You feel a certain way. You're like, don't, don't you see me serving? Don't you see me holding it up? Don't you see my hands are occupied and I need something else? That's what that scripture means. There's a part where we begin to despise the other because we are supporting something else that is not holy, that is not righteous, that is not godly. That's why we can't mimic, we can't follow, we can't conform to this world. We have to be transformed, right? by renewing of our mind we have to do these things and hold to these things and hold to him because these hands can only serve one master at a time we we focused on that in first lesson we talked greatly about Aaron and her and how Aaron and her held up the hands of Moses in Exodus 17 and helped fulfilled the victory in that valley, in that battlefield that Joshua was fighting in. But then we fast forward to Exodus 32 and we see that those same hands that Aaron had were using for victory were also working to craft and build a golden calf an idol to worship and and so it's it's amazing to see and to witness that how our hands our very own hands our desires are to serve God right I believe I believe because your faithfulness to this hour in the morning your desire is to serve God that that's a that's a godly thing that's a good thing but we can be transparent enough to say sometimes these hands don't serve God Sometimes they find them serving other things. And sometimes I wish we find ourselves, I wish I can be better at both. And that's not what God wants us to be good at. He doesn't want us to be good at serving both. He wants us to be good at serving him. And so as we move forward, Part two. Part two really ministered to me today, this morning. I don't know. I've had a, a, a heaviness on me all week. I've, um, I'm going to be teaching a lesson soon. I want to talk about um, uh, burnout. And uh, I want to talk about that subject because there's a difference between burnout and exhaustion. And uh, things happen in those things. But this, this lesson, as I was, as I was uh, studying and reading, man, I, God just healed my spirit this morning. You ever love that when the Word of God just helps you out in that moment? I, I didn't get great rest last night just uh, thinking about Sunday. I'll just let you know, pastors don't sleep good on, on Saturdays. <clears throat> we just don't. And so... Um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I want to uh, make sure that I, I, I live in this word because it's so good. And we're going to, we're literally going to take our time and study an entire book of the Bible the rest of the day. And so everyone take a deep breath and say, thank God it's just Philemon. <sighs> it's one chapter. All right. Let's get into it. Philemon one, we're going to read, we're going to read through it all, but 
Verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Apphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Here, I just want to go ahead and interject here. Who is this letter for? Well, it's definitely for Pastor Philemon of that church house. Um, it's, he's called a fellow labor. Atphia is, is believed to be uh, Philemon's wife. Uh, she's the first lady, as we could say it in our modern day vernacular. And Archippus is also believed to be the son uh, of, of those two parents and also the associate pastor. But that just doesn't stop at leadership. What, is he el what else does he say? And to the church in thy house. So this letter is for everybody. All right, it's, it's for us to hear it all. Paul is writing to him saying, I need you to hear it, but I want you to read this to the body. I want you all to take this in. It's vital. And so this letter is addressed to the leadership and the body. Everyone needs to get this message in their spirit. Grace, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which has toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints that the communication of thy faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus for we have a great joy and a, consol a, a, a consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints the, another way of saying the bowels is the deep seated emotion of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. I'm going to pause here. He, he focuses on their love and faith towards the Lord Jesus and all the saints, but also that word communication. Of course, communication is vital. Uh, communication is important. That's why we, uh, uh, Brother Batman and I have been working diligently to get our church and get the leadership of the church uh, plugged into the church center app uh, to help us with communication to do those things. But that word doesn't just mean talking communication. It also means same word there used as fellowship. So it's, it's vital that we understand that this type of love, faith, and fellowship must, to be, must continue to be effectual with Jesus and all with saints. And so the question, the very first question I want to ask you is this. How is our love, faith, and fellowship being affected or effectual in the space that we come to church? And not just the church, but in the space we live in. Am I, am I being effectually loving to someone? Am I showing love and faith? Am I producing fellowship? Do I just come to church, clock in, and clock out? Or do I, do I connect with people? Do I text someone that week and say, I'm praying for you? Do I pray for someone in my fellowship? That's important. That's vital. We need to ask ourselves, how uh, effective are we in displaying? And I use that word displaying as in the sense of serving. How are we serving love? faith and fellowship this is something I want again I want us to be a biblical church and when I'm reading this text this morning and I'm ingesting it and taking it in I'm asking I'm looking at myself are we a serving church are our hands effectively handing out love handing out faith 
handing out fellowship because I want us to be that church who's, who's effectual. Verse 8, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, being such a, a one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Let's, let's break this down a little bit. I like how he says this in verse 9. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee. I, I, another way of saying, I, I, I've got things to, that you need to hear <laughs> because I love you. For love's sake, I'd rather beg of you. I'd rather come at you in a certain way. In another way of saying is that, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or do you need me to tell you what you need to hear? And I hope we understand as a church, we are always seeking the necessities of the Word of God, not just the wants of the Word of God. I, 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 we live in a day and age, right? We are, we, we don't want to be given a rash. We don't want conviction. We don't want chastisement. We don't want hardness or harshness, right? We take the easy route. We're like every animal in nature. We don't, we, we go, we stick to the trail because the trail is easy the way is broad, amen? But there are few that find a certain way, and I want us to be that few who says, you know what? Make me in your image, God. And that's the case. Take some sandpaper to my soul. Rip apart some of those things that are not good. I want you to be honest with me. I don't want to just hear what I want to hear. I don't want you to tell me, I love you, I love you. I want, I want you to be open to chastisement. Could you pray that moving forward with me? God, rebuke me. Reprove me. Correct me. God, I pray when I open the word of God, let that word of God be honest with me. Show me where I need to change. Break my, my habits. Break this, this flesh. And so this is what the word of God is doing. And I, and I move forward in verse 10. He says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I love that it's Father's Day. This just jumps out to me. Paul saying, uh, Onesimus has become my son. While I was chained up, while I'm in prison, because right now Paul's in prison, and he is he has been ministering to Onesimus this entire time. Onesimus has was a servant of the church in, in Philemon's house, and he left. Something bad happened. Uh, something didn't go as planned, and therefore there was a, a leaving, there was a breaking, there was something that happened where they went their separate ways, and so Onesimus finds himself kind of near visiting, close to, paired up with Paul, during the time he's in prison, during the time he's shackled up, and I love it. I love the fact that he says he's become my son. Can I, can I be so grateful that some of us in our worst times have been adopted by a father? And we need that type of adoption. I'm not talking about spiritual adoption. I'm talking about relationship adoption. There are people in our church who are just like Onesimus, who for one reason or not are running from something, hurt by something, and they need a father to speak into their lives. They need a relationship. They need someone to say, okay, listen, I'm going to love you even though that hurts over there. I'm going to love you. I'm going to speak with you. I'm going to treat you fairly. I'm going to treat you honestly. I'm going to tell you where you need to change. Mm. 
and tell you the things that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And so Paul is beseeching, and that word beseeching, every time we see it, just think begging. He's begging Philemon to serve. And the request for Paul is a powerful act of intercession here in this whole letter. He's asking Philemon to stand in the gap, to go to bat for someone. And I ask the question again, who am I willing to intercede for? Am I only willing to intercede for the ones in my family, the ones who I'm obligated to love? Or will I be willing to intercede for people? I don't know. Will I be willing to intercede for people that have hurt me? That's another question. And so I want us to understand here, this letter is so important. Let's go to verse 11, all right? He says, which in time, Philemon, which in time past, I'm sorry, Onesimus, and speaking of Onesimus, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels, or mine own deep-seated emotions, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but without thy mind would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brotherly beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Let's pause here for a second. That's huge. Because Paul is doing his best to uh, minister to the churches through uh, barred cells. He is doing his best to convey the word of God. All these letters that, that we have in our scripture, all of them have been typically written by someone's hand, but they were, they were dictated by somebody, okay? Because he didn't have the greatest access to things, and he would, they would someone would come visit him. Timothy would come visit him. Uh, Demas would come visit him. Uh, you know, Gaius would come visit him and spend time, and he would say, get, a pa- get some paper out. Get some I want you to write this. I, I've got something to tell the church in, 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 in Coloss, you know, and he would begin to say things and they would write it down. But I can see him like reaching through as hard as he can, pressing his cheek up against the bars and saying, here, give me this paper and pen. I need it. And he writes it down. He says, I want you, I want you to hear this. I need you to take this in that by my own hand, I'm writing this by my own hand. And I want you to know this, that I will repay. I will, I'll take it in. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own selves besides. I love how he throws it in their faces. He says, have we forgotten what I've done for you? Have you forgotten where you've came from and where, what state I found you in? Have you forgotten the love that, uh, uh, the same love I'm talking about and writing you about? Have you have you forgotten that same treatment that you so willingly took in, but now you're struggling to dish out? Verse 20, Yea, brother, let me have a joy of thee in the Lord. 
refresh my deep-seated emotions in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou will also do more than I say. He has this confidence that they'll go above and beyond. And I love this. I love this letter. Of course, he ends the rest of this letter by explaining certain individuals <clears throat> and saying um, they greet you and and all those things and greet them for me. I want us to understand that Paul challenges Philemon to put off bitterness and frustration towards someone who wronged him. And that is so difficult. It's so hard to be treated in such a way, in such a manner, that we continue to turn the other cheek and say, go ahead. You know when, when, when Jesus said that, to turn the other cheek? You know what he's literally saying? He's literally saying, go ahead and set yourself up for another strike. Right? It's not just being strike and the inertia of being strike turns the, your head, which that happens. How many of you have been hit pretty good before? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Jesus is saying, go ahead, take the hit and put your chin back out there. That's the type of forgiveness level Christ is expecting from us. And so we have to put off bitterness and frustration towards people who've wronged us. Because this is what happens. When I hug, when I hold on to that same bitterness, when I hold on to that same frustration, our hands are only serving ourselves spoonfuls of self-righteousness. And that happens because we begin to hold on to these things. And when holding on to bitterness, it encourages self-pity. And self-pity breeds self-righteousness. Yeah. Oh, oh, poor me. I've been done so wrong. Poor me, they hurt me. Oh, why would they hurt me when I am so right? right. Jesus highlights the self-pity process through giving us a really good example here in Matthew 6 and 16. Matthew 6 and 16, he is, he's, we know Jesus is not a fan of, of facades and certain individuals here. And this is who he highlights. He says, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. See, what happened was, <laughs> you had Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites, these individuals who were like, I'm fasting today. Oh. Oh me, have pity on me because I'm missing a meal. Have pity on me because I'm, I'm so sacrificial. And they would love to do that and, and disfigure their faces and walk around all mopey. How many of you know those people in your life? I just saw someone's eyes just raise and look kind of to the side of them I, <clears throat> how many of you how many of you have been around those individuals who love to just let you know they're in pain right and so this is this is how it looks like self pity that it brings in some self righteousness that's exactly what if you can take your time Matthew 23 read it all that entire chapter Jesus is giving out eight woes 
woe to them right and we see that that he's attacking that that self-righteousness but he's He's emphasizing that it's brought about by self-pity. And we need to see that in verse 11 of Philemon, we see that that verse speaks to us about how Onesimus was unprofitable and Onesimus was at one time all about being about self. And when you're unprofitable in the kingdom of God, it focuses on you. Not, I know no one is a fan of looking at, does anyone just enjoy sitting down and opening up QuickBooks or looking at their checking account and just like breaking numbers and doing those? Okay, you are, I think a little bit. (laughs) The numbers guy is. (laughs) This guy. I know that Mother Madman loves spreadsheets. He, anytime I ask him to help me out with something, he somehow figures out, a, like if I'm like, hey, can you help me come? Uh, we need to go over here and stack some chairs. Somehow we get a spreadsheet out of stacking chairs. I don't know how he does it. We, it's a beautiful presentation. I get, I get invited to a Google Doc somehow. <clears throat> Let me get back on track here. See, Onesimus, if you look at his account of his life, it's all negative. It's all numbers that are never adding up. And it's because this is a great way for you to look into the mirror. And I, I, the reason I bring up numbers, the reason I say looking at things and looking at numbers, we should at times look at that. We should be honest with ourselves. We should at times, husbands should sometimes take the credit card, you know, receipt to, that, to, to spouses and say, why so many purchases? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, or, <laughs> I, but my daughters, I could take them and I could say, do you see we've got a problem at Starbucks? <clears throat> Why? Because if you're a baseball fan, you know this, numbers don't what? Numbers don't lie. They show you a truth. All right? And when we look at Onesimus, you can look at his entire past life and the numbers didn't lie. They were all negative. And I want us to understand in the kingdom of God, the numbers only point to one thing and that's your selfishness. If I am not profitable to God, that's because of selfishness. It's because of self-interest. It's because of self-preservation. It's because of self-ambition. Those things do not profit the kingdom of God. And Onesimus fell into that category. He was, he was under that bar. He just lived for self. And I want us to understand that there is, we talked about serving sin, but today we're focusing that there is no hope for the hands that serve self. If we look at the letter that Paul writes to Timothy, and we go to 2 Timothy 3, he lists a bunch of selfishness here. He says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. That's right. That's selfishness. That's a selfish sin. Okay? Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You are trying to self-please yourself more than serve God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Why is that? Because you can't have 
power and serve self at the same time. You can have a form of godliness. You can, you can buy the same outfit. You can wear the same jacket. You can do your hair the same way a church person does, a godly looking church person. Amen. Hallelujah. But where the power is, it has to do with self. Philippians 2 and 21 gives us a truth. He says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. That's how we all are. This is the, this is, we all are this way. We have to fight that, combat that serving of self. Jesus will equate that denial of self is the process of his approach to him. Mark 8, 34 and when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Right? Take up his cross and follow me. To give even greater context, let's look at the verse before that. Okay? But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but what? The things that be of men. The things that be of men is selfishness. It's self-driving. These things are always going to be about self-gain. But to get a hold of God, to serve God, is to deny self. We must stop serving ourselves is what the word is trying to get us to understand. My opening text in Psalms 119, 36 says, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. The NIV says it this way, Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. The last of the Ten Commandments is very clear and it focuses on one area. Exodus 20 and 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservice, nor his maidservice, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Because covetousness is something that's it's selfishness. You want what they have. You just want to gain it to yourself. Philippians 2 and 3 tells us that let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is our goal is to, to try to lift up, to try to encourage, to try to strengthen somebody else and not ourselves. Let's all stand. As I'm closing, I want us to, I want to read a few other verses here. James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Let me tell you what. If you are struggling with something you're not understanding, if you're having a moment of confusion and frustration, okay, let's. This is a great litmus test verse, right? We have to ask us: Am I, am I just looking through the lens of selfishness? Am I envying something that they have and what they want? Why don't I feel right? Why am I fighting constantly these evil attacks? Sometimes I have to say, God, forgive me for the covetousness I have. Forgive me for those things that I'm fighting because there's, there's confusion in every evil work in it. The opposite word of covet, if you have a fancy dictionary or thesaurus, you'll, you'll see it's charity. It's the opposite of covet. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, charity 
suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and seeketh no evil. I'm grateful for the last chapters of one's miss in his life. He started off serving self. He was unprofitable, but was about to go through a process of change. And I'm so grateful. It gives me such hope. I'm going to say it this way. And I'm speaking from, from, the, from the place where, um, where Philemon is standing, the pastor's place, the, the church, uh, uh, house church that he pastored. Okay? Again, this letter was to all of us. Why did, he, why did Paul want all of us to hear it? It's because sometimes people leave us over certain things and we can hold things against people and it, we can feel a certain way. We can carry a grudge. We could be shopping in a grocery store and they catch our eye and we don't even want to go down the same aisle with them. We don't want to cross paths with them because there's, there's bitterness and frustration on our heart. And if I have that, if I have that distaste in my mouth, pay attention to it. Yeah. What a great thing to go to God and say, God, forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me. Help me to set my chin up in such a way that I can take another blow. But God, give me a spirit to serve you and serve your kingdom. Just because we've seen one of them serve self, right? We've seen him be selfish and leave. Philemon is now given an opportunity. Are you going to continue to be selfish or are you going to open up your life to serve someone who's used you? And we all have this position here. And I desire my hands to serve, but I don't want them to serve self. As we move forward, I want us to understand I, 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 this, this series is meant to give awareness to what we're serving. And we can't serve two masters at once. Amen? And so I, I want my hands to serve one master. That master is Jesus and his kingdom and what he has. So let's just bow our heads together in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this season today that we're in. I pray, bless us, strengthen us. I pray, God, help us put away, God, hurt. Help us put away frustration. Help us put away bitterness and anger and strife, God. I pray, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want, I want to be puffed up. I, I want to be loving. I want to be caring. I want to seek, Lord, to lift someone up, to bless someone. I want these hands not to be so focused and proper something that's falling down but God I pray help me to serve you with these hands help this church to be a church that's, that's rooted in scripture that serves you God we thank you together and I pray bless us and bless the remainder of our services today in your name we pray would you say that name with me in Jesus name amen and amen praise God praise God if you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 